We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. It is Tuesday morning, the 5th of December, and it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, on these morning shows, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how you doing? What's new? Happy Tuesday to you. Uh, what's going on? I'm doing good. I've already been to uh, the annual doctor's appointment this morning, so I've been poked, jabbed, drained, all kinds of stuff. So, I'm, man, I'm ready to go now. And I swear, every time you say start the show, I want to sing the Muppets. I know, right? Every single time. <laughs> I want to sing the Muppets. I mean, I don't think we'd, I'd stop you. Um, every time I think of the Muppets show, I think of uh, my personal favorite movie of all time, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall with uh, Jason Siegel, and he's I just love drunk. That movie, and, yeah. God, so good. Uh, just pl- drunk playing the Muppets theme and just crying on the piano. But uh, what a good movie. Um, but uh, appreciate everyone coming in. Let's say hello to some folks in the chat as uh, we open it up here. We got Dominique saying, Hey guys, my high salute to my Broncos family. I'm still confident in my Broncos, MHH for life, Broncos for life. We got David Yunking coming in here saying, morning, everybody. After a tough loss, it's so easy to start the blame game. We started off one and five, and everyone wrote us, uh, everyone else wrote us off, and now we have a slight chance to finish strong. David, this is an excellent point and uh, something that I think is, Scott, I kind of have a method, a uh, process where during the games themselves, I'm a different person and I am emotional and uh, try to ride that wave and just have fun with it, you know, firing at the hip a little bit sometimes on Twitter during the actual games. And then as soon as it's over, it's like a, a flip switches and it's like, okay, rational data, not too high, not too low. So I apologize for anything during the games. Uh, like, you know, something like Alex Singleton, I was really mad at him when he did that penalty and uh, kind of got baited by the quarterback into that. I'm like, oh man, what a foolish play. You can't do that in that situation. Take away his game check. I do think it was foolish, but don't take away his game check. I mean, it's things happen sometimes in the NFL, but uh, I agree. Uh, this is great perspective here, David. Uh, the Broncos started off horribly. And now we have a chance for meaningful football in December, which if you go back to before the season when the Broncos brought in Peyton, that's all I think Scott and I really wanted. Let's play meaningful games down the stretch. If we get in the playoffs, great. If not, that means you're building towards something. Uh, good perspective, David. Right. And we, we talked a lot. You know, at one and four, I was done with this team. I was <laughs> like, just burn it all down. I, I, yeah. I, it's, there's a systematic rot inside of these Denver Broncos. And if you've been there longer than three years, you got to go. That's how I felt after week five, mm-hmm. you know, losing to that Jets game and just watching the undisciplined football, you know, the, the same mistakes, the, the really the lack of impetus and that that all turned around, that all changed. Mm-hmm. So 
we we've talked for years. When do you hit bottom and when do you we know when you've hit bottom, but when does the arrow start going in the right direction? It's definitely headed in the right direction. There's there's no mm -hmm. doubt in my mind. And David, just a you know, a slight tweak on the words there. You've got an excellent chance to finish strong. Excellent, especially after a one and five start. Yeah. You've got a chance to make the playoffs, but you've got an excellent chance to finish this season strong. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a pretty easy schedule down the stretch here. Now, granted, it's the damn NFL, right? And anything can happen any week. Uh, we just saw Jake Browning and the Bengals take down the number one AFC South Jags, who would have been number one in the AFC if they had won that game, I believe. Uh, so in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville. Yeah, that's a... Quite, a, quite an upset there. Uh, shout out to Jake Browning, former UW Washington quarterback there. We'll see how they do against Texas coming up here. Uh, but yeah, anything can happen in the NFL. That's one reason that that Texans game was so big because it would have given you a little margin for error. Like you probably, you probably could have gone three and two over the final five games and still made the playoffs. Now you have to go four and one, maybe five and oh, we'll get into some of the stuff. Uh, I found a tweet from uh, Zach Seegers, uh, who does good work covering the Broncos. And uh, some data um, as far as the Broncos' probability of making the playoffs based on outcomes. So we'll get into that. Miguel Santa Steven, though. Uh, first, we got to say hello to the the money man, Miguel. Good to see you. Happy Tuesday morning. Thanks for the super chat. Uh, he says, "Morning, fellows. Can't stay. Just wanted to show some love." M H H. Thank you so much, Miguel. We appreciate you. Hope you're doing well. Hopefully, you'll circle back and listen after the fact wherever everyone listens. You know, after the fact. I I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I'm not involved in the live streams because I you know walk four miles a day with the dog. Um, so I know a lot of people do that. And uh, we got David also says, well, damn, Scott, I thought I was on the right track. <laughs> definitely on the right track. Like I said, just a little nuance in the language terms for me. That's all. You're <laughs> definitely on the right track. Yes. Uh, but for me, I think, you know, you, like you said, it's got a, a slight chance of finishing strong. No, no, no. You've got a great chance of finishing this season strong. If you finish, well, you've won five of your last six games. You got five left now. Is that mm -hmm. where we are? You will go three and two and you win eight of your last 11 games. Dude, that's a strong finish. Even if make the playoffs or not, that's a hell of a finish. That is a really, especially after a one and five start for goodness sake. So yeah, Broncos are heading in the right direction. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. Nike Dragon asks, he knows, do you guys seriously think this team can win in the playoffs? Yes, I do. You've beat the Kansas city chiefs. You've beat the Buffalo bills. Uh, I absolutely think this team can win in the playoffs. Would they be favored? No. Uh, but do I think they can win? Yes. I don't think this is a one and out, a let's just get in and, and you're going to get wiped out by whatever first round team you play. This is a team that no one's going to want to face in the playoffs, especially if you're on the type of streak it's going to take to get you into the playoffs. 11 and six gets you in, 10 and seven, you need some help. What's that, four and one or five and oh? You finish five and oh, who's going to want to play the Denver Broncos, uh, Denver Broncos team that's won nine of their last 10 games, 10 of their last 11 games? Yeah, especially a team that, at least during the winning streak, the offensive line looked like it was coming together. Uh, yes, yes, they were bad versus Houston overall, one of their worst games since probably the first five weeks of the season. And the turnover stuff, you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out over time uh, with more sample with a larger sample size. But Broncos get in; that means they were hot, and they're a physical team that is overall well coached. And you have the the weirdness factor that is Russell Wilson, right? It's like uh, Broncos are getting their butt kicked in the first half. I mean, it is, the fact that it was 13 to three is a miracle because the Broncos were so thoroughly outplayed in the first half versus Houston, I guess, shout out to the, uh, the red zone defense and, you know, kind of, you know, 
getting strong down there and not giving up points, but they, you were horrible, horrible in the first half. Uh, I think he had one, one drive that got a first down. I mean, it was just not good. Uh, but overall, uh, would be a feisty team. Assuming you finish four and one, five and zero down the stretch. We will see. It's hard in the NFL. You can look at the schedule like, Oh, we can win every game. Well, you could probably lose every game as well. Given, you know, you're living by the sword and dying by the sword. That is the turnover battle and the high volatility that goes with that. Michael Ronquillo coming in. Good morning, Michael. Uh, thank you so much to see. He says uh, Nick and Scott on Bron- good morning, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos. Go Michael. Thank you so much for the super chat superstars over on Facebook. We always appreciate Michael coming in and saying hello. We also got a few more coming in here. I see we got our guy Troy Boer in the house saying, hey, guys, have not been watching the Chargers. Their record is awful, but the team is in disarray like their record indicates. Where are they weak? Have a great show. The Chargers are absolutely horrible in every aspect that has to do with the run game. They are one of the worst running offenses in the NFL, and they are dreadful against the run. They are just, despite investing pretty well in the offensive line, they can't get a push. They don't really have a back that makes sense kind of with the wider boxes today. You got Eckler, who's a good receiving back, but he's older. He's had injuries and they don't really have a physicality to them. They're super, super finesse uh, on offense and defense. Uh, You see games where they're going up against a more power run oriented offensive line and they're getting just, you know, forklifted uh, there. So that's a big weakness for them. I think another issue is that they've made a lot of bets in the draft and they have not hit (laughs) on those bets. I mean, Kenneth Murray, this is why I'm always a little bit skeptical about drafting the pure athlete at linebacker first round. That's not a pass rushing oriented guy. Kenneth Murray, great athlete, but out of play as much as he is in the right gap. Uh, easy to exploit because of that. Uh, Quentin Johnson looks like a horrible pick for them at wide receiver at TCU. Um, utilized in an area that I don't think makes sense for him, but that's because that's what happens when Mike Williams goes down with injury. Just a very top heavy team. Um, I almost feel bad for Justin Herbert because he's playing pretty good football overall. Yes. Um, really talented. Like if I hate to do this, Scott, but like if you flipped Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson right now, what would the records be of these teams? I think they're, you wouldn't, I don't think you would have gone one and five. So I would say two more. So six and six. So eight and four, eight and four. I would have said, I would have said eight and four as well. Maybe two and a half is about what I would put it at eight and four. But you also have amazing plays by Russell Wilson that maybe you don't get as well. So it would probably normalize somewhat. Yeah, and, and the defense the was so bad at the beginning that I'm not sure anybody you know, the offense wasn't necessarily the problem when you weren't stopping anybody in the first six weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's true. But Herbert's playing good ball. I would say he's playing better than Russell Wilson. Uh, but the Broncos are a much more cohesive team and so much better at the lines of scrimmage. Uh, it's it's night and day. So Brandon Staley, dead man walking, whatever you want to say. I mean, beating the Patriots 6-0 to zero is... <laughs> Kind of comical. Nick, I watched um, the first half of that game yesterday. Yeah, man, you uh, you got treated to some real, real uh, offensive outputs this week. <laughs> to answer Troy's question, and this is going to warm your hearts, Broncos fans. Just to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna simplify what Nick said. The Chargers' defense is weak up the gut, and where are the Broncos really good running the ball, guard, guard tackle, you know, right there, right side, do uh, right up the middle with a hammer. Um, and then you can you, you you can throw a wave of backs at them. So I was surprised at the success of the Patriots without a lack with, with without a real threat of a passing game were having just running the ball right at the Chargers seven eight times uh, seven eight yards per in the first half. I could only handle the first half. It was six zero at halftime, so I, I watched that part. But they, 
the, in order for them to stop the run, they have to throw numbers. That was the only chance they had. They had to throw numbers. They had to run blitz. They had to take chances. If you're taking chances, and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy should have big games. I might be able to burn somebody on a screen pass, dump, dump him behind. So for me, they're just not tough is, mm. is, is kind of what Nick was saying on that one. You know what else isn't tough, Nick? Pizza, pizza. I know it's the morning show, but as you start thinking about lunch today, think about making Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Uh, I'm a vegetarian. I'm still a big eater, so I love being able to order up a double pizza and eat my fill. So order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. Yeah, guys, uh, you got to choose. My favorite Little Caesars is, of course, the crazy bread. I am a carb guy through and through. Uh, maybe it's all the hiking in the backcountry stuff, but, uh, you know, some crazy bread with some uh, marinara sauce or any dipping sauce. I'm from the Midwest, so ranch is definitely a delicacy. Uh, so always <laughs> give me ranch. I mean, I've been I have not participated but uh, I've been to a few ranch chugging contests. That's a sight to behold. Um, but uh, gotta love Little Caesars. Uh, there's none directly in the Seattle area, but I'm up and around so much. Yeah, I'm coming back from a trail in the North Cascades or something. Swing by Little Caesars, of course. And uh, with that, I always win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with a convenient delivery on our in-store pizza portal pickup. Uh, so grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the games this week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pizza, pizza from Keith. Yes, appreciate it. And uh, we've got some super supers coming in too from Kenny. Appreciate you, Kenneth. KB82 says, what were your thoughts on the fumble that five Broncos surrounded but didn't get? Cooper could have fell on it but tried to pick it up and run with it. That's that's not how I saw it. I saw it, him going down on it and him squirting right out his armpit, which, you know, then the thing accelerates away from those five Broncos and it was just really unlucky. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I don't think this was a, you know, can I, I didn't see it that way. 
Um, mm. I watched it twice. Now I don't remember a hundred percent and you've making me doubt myself on this one, but I just remember it squirting out from underneath his arm as he was going down to get it. It's just unlucky, man. It is. Um, we talk about the turnover battle. There's one, you know, mm. there's one that could have happened. Uh, it makes a change. And we had a question last night, Nick, see if, and I put it in our private chat, uh, while I was producing the mile high huddle podcast, we we're talking about, you know, why does it seem that some of these factors that have really jumped up and bit the Broncos all happen at once? You know, what, where did these all come from? We've been playing such great, clean, disciplined football during this five game winning streak. I'm like, no, you really haven't, but the turnovers have been the Trump card that have helped you get the dub. And you forget some of the little things that, that you didn't get that, that didn't go your way because you got the W and it erases those things. Mm-hmm. This was still, you've been winning close games. This was a close game, but you didn't get the turnovers that tipped the balance in this one. That was kind of how I felt this game went. That's part of it. I think also part of it is I'm trying to think back in the game. So you have the Packers game, the Broncos, it was kind of a back and forth game. Obviously we were there, but they got off to a lead. They had control. They were up in front almost the whole game. Uh, then you had the Chiefs at home. They you fell back to- behind. That's kind of when I started saying, yeah. remember, this is this was the turning point for the Denver Broncos to me was that Packers game because you blew a lead again, mm-hmm. another halftime lead after you were like 0-10 with halftime leads. You blew a lead again. Would, it would have been real easy at 1-5 to fold up shop and say, you know, we're done. You know, yeah. uh, th- th- here we go again. Yeah. But instead, you retook that lead and won the game. That was mental tough. That showed me a lot about this team. I agree with you, but for the most part, you didn't lose that until late-ish, and then you battled back. The the point I'm getting to is the style that you were afforded to play because of the turnovers and the early lead. You had an early lead in the Packers game. You had an early lead in the Bills game. You had an early lead in the Chiefs game that you won. You had an early lead in turnover in that Vikings game. You definitely had an early lead in that Cleveland game as well. Uh, In this one, you fell behind. Look at the split. You're down, you know, 10-0 to after three drives and your first quarter. I mean, it's... That one, and that totally changes how this Broncos team can play. And I don't want to, you know, make this a pile on Russell Wilson show, but like the way the offense is built uh, is one where you have a lead and it's you run the offense through the run game. When you are at a point where you have to play the drop back pass game, not only does it make it harder for Russell Wilson, considering his struggles in the quick game and the volume centric pass game, but it also puts your right tackle who is still struggling in pass protection in a bind. When you have a lead, are you running? Are you passing? It's a question mark. When you're down and struggling that bad and you have to play catch up, then it is obvious pass rush. The defenders can pin their ears back. And let's be real. It's just not where the best pathway for Russell Wilson to win. He's not playing football like, you know, Dak Prescott right now where he's just a maestro in the pocket uh, that are with the cerebral post snap stuff. So I think that's a big part of that Broncos five game win streak that cannot be overstated uh the defense and the offense clicking early and getting a lead and then controlling the flow of the game the broncos never had control of the flow of this game which is why i said those two big plays in the first half that you didn't get made such a difference because they changed the way you played the game was that drop by Cortland sutton on a post route that would have probably resulted in points i think that was long enough that you were in field goal range yes it was yep and the Marvin Mims non-pass interference call. Those are both both first half plays, both lead to points. You're within a touchdown. It changes the way that you would have played the game. It changes the way that the Houston Texans would have defended you. Those were game-changing plays. 
that you needed. We talked all week about you need the offense to bail out the defense if you're going to be a playoff team, if you're going to win on these streets, you're going to have to have that. Man, it was there. It was mm-hmm. there. And those were the plays we were talking about. It just didn't hit them. It was one of those days where Cortland Sutton drops the ball. He doesn't drop those, man. Doesn't happen. Jonathan Cooper falls on a dead-to-rights fumble, squirts out his arm. It just it wasn't your day, and the Houston Texans are a good team. Nick, I had somebody in the comments yesterday, and yes, leave a comment afterwards. Uh, if you're watching this afterwards, we get probably 3x the views on, on YouTube and Facebook after the fact, saying that Scott just doesn't want to give the Houston Texans the credit they deserve. What? Man, I, I've been on the Houston Texans bandwagon since the first three weeks of the season. What are you talking about, man? Yeah. Um, I just said, yeah, that's a take I wasn't really expecting, but it, it's a take. Houston yeah. Texans are good. I was saying that all last week. I've said it all. These were two evenly played, even teams that both played a tight game. Both had opportunities. Both missed opportunities. Houston made more plays. They're a good team. They're absolutely up. I'll say it again. I think D'Amico Ryans and Shane Steichen are going to play the last week of the season for the coach of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of what the Houston Texans are doing. I think Dan Campbell's still the Vegas odds favorite, considering the Detroit stuff going on. <laughs> like with the history, he's, yeah, the he's in there too. But again, yeah. you know, and then anybody that's you know is Sirianni going to be you know in there? Possibly, probably not. Too talented um, of a roster. That's why Andy Reid never wins it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but it, you just have to always have to watch for those. You know, mm-hmm. those teams. Their loss hurt them, but you know, if they ended up fifteen and one, sixteen and one, fifteen and two, you have to watch for those guys too, no matter what their roster is. If they're a first time winner, Andy Reid probably has won one or two along so. the way. Hopefully, if not, the that's first time winner. If you go fifteen and two and you haven't won it before, they tend to lean that direction. Mm-hmm. But for me, I go, I go Dan Campbell. That defense, watch that defense. They could go five hundred the rest of the way unless their defense steps up. Uh, but Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryans have engineered two of the best turnarounds. Um, and then, well, hell, Laura Green Bay, we talked about this yesterday. Who's mm-hmm. really done the really good in-season turnarounds? Uh, Packers and Rams. Well, McVay ain't going to win it. Um, so watch for uh, watch for Green Bay. And then, again, you get hot, you win the next five games, Sh- Sean Payton's in there. Especially considering the narrative around the Broncos offense and Russell Wilson. Uh, We Mm -hmm. talked about last week, the Mike Sando uh, piece on the athletics saying that the Broncos from a post-snap perspective are calling a rookie esque offense with a lot of easy reads. Uh, Some of it is, you know, one read to check down a high low to check down or even uh, one read. And then Russell Wilson take off. Uh, We're seeing that a lot in the, uh, the two minute uh, here, which you know what you're playing to your quarterback strengths. And it's for the most part, been effective so not a criticism on either end uh, you just got to know what you have and uh, maximize it and that's sign of a good coach hence coach of the year conversation jeremy sean coming in here saying people were acting like we got smoked on sunday we played a good team in their house with a ton of bad bounces and bad calls it went down to the wire i was happy with how we battled i agree with you jeremy i do think for the most part the the res- ball don't lie in this one i think houston was the better team uh overall and they probably if you played this game Again, they probably win by more than they did uh, in the end, even though you had some bad calls. I mean, that that Samaj P. Ryan forward progress one, that would have been the nail in the coffin. I still don't understand that. When I went back and watched it, I'd have been l- freaking out if that happened the other way. You know, uh, and, and, and it, him missing a wide open, CJ Stroud missing a wide open John Mechie at the end yeah. of the first half. That one makes it, what, 23 to 3 Game. in the first yeah. half? That's a walk-in yeah. on yeah, that. So- it goes, again, it goes both ways. We remember, yeah. oh, if only... 
Russell had done this on the final play of the game. And I can play that both sides. It's just as yeah. fans, we tend to forget about the plays the other team mm-hmm. should have had yeah. also. We kind of take those for granted that they didn't get them. Like I said, it was it was an even it was a good game between two teams playing really well. Yeah. I, I just like going back and having watched the game again and how it played out and just how terrible they were on both sides of the ball in the first half. I feel fortunate to even have had a chance at the right. end, which points and to the resiliency. Take advantage of those. Yes. You hear yeah, that all the time. The Broncos should feel fortunate. They're only down by 10 points going into the half after being dominated for the whole thing. And that's when you're dangerous. That's when yes. you're dangerous when you're playing a good team and you don't put them away when you've got your shots. And the belief and the coaching job in the second half too. Uh, again, not trying to down talk the Broncos, but they were thoroughly, thoroughly outplayed in that first half. And they battled back and gave themselves a chance. And that's kind of, you know, a microcosm of the entire season uh, as well. You know, horrible, dreadful, historically bad uh, first half of the season and belief, coaching, uh, guys, discipline and doing their jobs. And you you chip away and you give yourself a chance. Yeah. And hopefully you don't come up just short like in this Houston game. Uh, Gary Palmer, 1999 says, good morning, Nick and Scott. Glad to hear some positive feedback. Denver Broncos for life. Go Broncos. Yeah, I mean, positive, negative. I think Scott and I don't really care too much about the perception on that overall we just want to give you our honest takes of what we see and if you disagree great if not uh, sorry if you agree that's cool too yeah, Fine, you know, nobody's a good, we're not going to dis we're not going to agree on nick and i disagree all the time uh you know we don't expect you to always agree that's okay let's let's mm-hmm. let's, let's hear your your point of view i'll listen you know if you're mm-hmm. respectful of my opinion in the comments i'll be respectful of yours i'm not going to tell you i'm right i'll tell you what i think mm-hmm Yep, especially when you're projecting, right? It's always always hard. You can just do the best, but uh, the future is unwritten. Fallen Sloth, good morning, Broncos country. Seeing the notification while at my desk is exactly what I needed this morning. Hope you're doing well. Fallen Sloth, always great to see you. Colin Wood says the officiating was terrible for both teams. The pass interference, the non-pass interference against Mims that was uncalled, and the Pirine fumble they negated were both possible game changers. Yeah, I felt like they were also kind of letting the uh, the guys play in pass interference, for us, uh, more or less, they were. I saw a few holds that were not called. Um, if they're going to call it evenly on both sides, I'm not going to have an issue with it as long as it's not putting people in uh, health risk. Uh, so I thought that, I mean, the roughing ref- wasn't great in this game by any means, but I didn't feel like it was overly one sided uh, in the end. So not too many, not too many criticisms no, on I, that. It's, it was, it was bad. Um, my, and Michael Ronquillo, I want to be clear. I think. That hit on Russell Wilson was called. It was a personal foul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like, for me, that was obvious. Oh, I was like, there was another one later where he got hit pretty good, and a shoulder hit him in the uh, the face mask. I think it was okay. on the final drive, not the, uh, run the one. Slide. The one I was talking about that I don't I don't remember that one. Yeah, it was the late. one I was talking about was the slide, and he's in a forty five degree angle when he got hit, and the yeah. guy's coming in with his helmet, yeah. coming high. I'm like, you can't. That's too low. You've got to at least. If he had pulled off of him and gone across him, possibly made contact, I think he would have been okay. But when you bounce a guy off the turf who is sliding, you're done. You you have no chance. That flag's coming a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, without a doubt, um, you got to be a little bit better there, uh, and uh, hopefully the refing will be better. It's just a, it's just been a really feels like a really poor year of officiating. I don't know what's going on all around. Uh, well. Can you blame them? Who the hell? Wait until you start going to youth sports, dude. I don't. You'll see why there aren't any officials because parents are awful. <laughs> they're they're just awful. 
I, I was I was standing there. This guy, the fifteen year old girl, he's he's berating her, and then got kicked out of the game, and then brags about it on the side. Yeah, I said, "What are you effing stupid?" You know, well, you you obviously are. I was like, "I wanted to brain that guy." Um, you can't you can't get these guys. It starts at the youth ranks, right? Well, you can't get any officials to work your way up because no one wants to officiate games anymore. I don't yeah. I don't blame them. So volunteer parents young 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 folks out there volunteer to officiate a game for youth and be respectful of the officials and our officiating might get better by the time you're older <laughs> yeah uh, with, without a doubt i mean gave me anxiety thinking about that scott hopefully i don't lose my cool uh, keith brugman Go uh, said, that's what I, I i'm an outfield dad i'm i'm way away from things yeah that's uh, that would uh, concern me because, like I said, to start the show, I'm a different person when the game is live. <laughs> Nick and Scott, do me a favor and please fix our third down conversions versus the Texans. Zero third down conversions. Thanks, for, gentlemen. Yeah, the Broncos go 0 for 11 on third That's down in this game. It's uh, pretty hard to fathom. Uh, honest to God, that is a uh, you don't see that very often. So how do the Broncos fix the third down? I think uh, Peyton talked about it. It's a lot of the execution in the past game. Uh, it's understanding your reads. It's the right tackle not getting bull rushed, especially early on. Bulls didn't have a great game either. I also think it's doing better on first and first and second down. Yep, thanks, Scott. Yes, <laughs> whispering it out there for me. Um, but yeah, the Broncos on uh, first and second down in this game, they were dreadful in the pass on uh, first and second down. Negative uh, 0.11 EPA per play on pass. Honestly, I I know the Broncos want to run the ball more, but maybe they should have. They were more successful running the ball on early rush, actually had a positive EPA uh, on early rush downs, uh, and they were even worse on late down passing, negative uh, 0.73 EPA uh, per play on that. So really, I mean, how do you get better on third down? You get yourself better opportunities on first and second down, and that is uh, something I do want to get into here with the Broncos team as well. But first, J.R. Capron comes in and says, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s to the Jr. to the Broncos next draft. That ship sailed uh, probably week seven uh, for the Broncos. You probably had to have a top three pick to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Seems like a lot of people are talking like you need a top two pick. We'll see how that looks. Uh, but he's probably the best overall wide receiver prospect. That doesn't mean he was a guarantee, but a prospect. Since Calvin Johnson, um, maybe you could say AJ Green. That's the next kind of tier there. Julio was uh, in that class too. He was pretty damn AJ good. AJ Green and yeah, I just said AJ because he went first. But uh, four and six, I think. Um, but yeah, probably the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson. Uh, maybe Larry Fitzgerald in that conversation as well at Pitt. He was unbelievable. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's unbelievable, no doubt. You're not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. And as much as I love him it would be malpractice for the Broncos to give up draft picks and players and anything to move up for a wide receiver, considering you're probably picking in the 14 to 20 range right now. I mean, that's, that's a wide variance. What 14 to 22 let's, we'll give it like, you know, two and three versus four and one record down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would just be too hard. There's a lot of other wide receivers out there. You can still have, they're not Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, but I'd rather have, you know, Keon Coleman plus, a defensive tackle rather than, you know, not, not having a first round pick next year, uh, your third round pick this year and getting Marvin Harrison jr. Yeah. The, the easy answer for that one, unfortunately, JR is no way you're, you're not getting, you're not getting him. Uh, and even if you did, you'd probably complain of what it would cost to get him. Cause that would be a three first round draft pick, not just one, 
that's a three first round draft pick move to get up to, to two or three to get him. Even if these two quarterbacks go one, two, okay, you're on the clock. We have a trade in. The Denver Broncos have traded up to number three and they have given up Jerry Judy, their 2024 first round draft pick, their 2025 first round draft pick, and their 2026 first round draft pick. No, you don't want to hear that. No. If you're sitting there picking like eight or something, although at that point I like Malik Neighbors enough, I think I'd probably just hold fast. And exactly. And that's kind of my point. With with the wide receiver position, I'd, I'd, I'd almost rather have – I'd rather – this is going to sound shots. crazy possibly. I would almost rather trade out of that spot and give me five second-round picks to choose wide receivers. And I feel like it would do better for my team than one Marvin Harrison Jr. Because I feel like – you can hit on those guys. It's not like, you know, I'm not talking about just, you know, pure numbers and probability. I'm talking about there are some really, really good wide receivers in every class that go in the second round. Mm -hmm. Michael Pittman, George Pickens. Um, you know, there's, I, we could go on and on and on and on that I think you're okay getting guys in the second round at wide receiver. I agree. I mean, obviously, the further you I go for Harrison Jr. is a different beast. But. Yeah. There's something about the, relative guarantee it's still a prospect so there is no actual guarantee but the mm -hmm. it would be unbelievable if he didn't hit and my point was more so i think we need to give malik neighbors more flowers <laughs> because i think he is a phenomenal pick and if he wasn't in a class with marvin harrison jr i think we'd be talking about him more than we are but he is so explosive scott i mean and to create one of the differences is also nick i knew calvin i knew julio and i knew aj since they were sophomores in high school wow. they were slam dunks yeah, no question in my mind from a character perspective, work ethic, family, everything. They passed every single test, no doubt. Like the mm -hmm. biggest question, Calvin was a sure thing. He was the surest thing as there will ever be. Biggest question for for who for AJ was he was a little thin. Okay, mm -hmm. then he comes in and he weighs like two ten at the combine. I'm like, well, he's fine. Yeah. Another question was, does Julio really have that top end speed? Does he have the burst and the speed? Then he goes in and runs like a four three two at the combine. I'm like, okay, I'm done. You know, so and I don't know Marvin Harrison Jr. quite as well as I knew those other guys because I was in recruiting and different. I don't I, I just I don't know. I don't know those guys. I knew those guys. Yeah, well, he's getting great coaching at Ohio State as a wide receiver, and he's obviously got the bloodlines. Uh, so he's a uh, he's special. I don't know if I'd trade up for him. We'll have a chance to talk wide receivers here. You probably played yourself out of the top. The top two. Um, I don't know how exactly three through six will play out, but uh, wide receiver, I think, is possible for the Broncos with their first round draft pick, considering the questions surrounding Jerry Judy. And I think we need to have a Jerry Judy at some point as a uh, discussion as well, Scott, at some point, because um, the frustrations seem like they're out there and Sean Payton's talking about it as well. And I don't know if you heard Sean Payton's conversation. I think he's a little bit more on the Jerry Judy side of frustration than he is on any other side. Um, just listening to what he has to talk, uh, what he had to say, but Mr. Rocket 199 says, if we don't make the playoffs, could you see us trading up? I could trade up. Certainly possible. If you make the playoffs trading up as possible. Uh, we know that Sean Payton likes trade up. The Broncos traded up twice last season, despite not having excess uh, draft picks. So if there's a guy they like, especially at quarterback, but even not at quarterback, I could see the Broncos doing it. I would advocate against doing that because you are a older roster. That's a little top heavy. And you probably need to continue to work on the the mid, you know, the second team of your uh, of your depth chart and develop some guys, especially with Russell Wilson's cap hit about to explode and whatever that looks like, keeping him or not, um, that's going to be costly, which means you need to hit on young guys. And 
more draft picks is better there, but it's certainly possible. Uh, Gatorade Gaming comes in, says, do we even have a second? No, you do not. Uh, that pick belongs to the New Orleans Saints. And I think there's still a little bit of, it's undetermined which third round pick you're sending to the Saints as well. I think you send the the lesser of the third round picks to the Saints. I think that was agreed upon. So we won't know until we know what the draft order is, if Denver is sending their own third round pick or the Dolphins third, is it the Dolphins? I think the Dolphins third round pick uh, to the Saints. Yeah, so, you look at Tankathon right now, and the Broncos only have two of their own first round, first two of their own picks. It goes mm-hmm. uh, first round, third from the Saints, fourth from the Dolphins, fifth from the Jets, and then fifth for uh, for what? But you don't have one of those, so trading up seems ambitious to think mm-hmm. of that. You know, do I want to send a, a, a seventy five and one thirty one to get in the second possibly? But at fourteen, uh, Tankathon has Jared Verse Edge. As the uh, as a mock, I'd be pretty happy with Jared versus an edge. You kind of shook your head. I'm not sure if you're on the same page. Is oh, that no, a little no. too high for him or not? No, I think that's a good pick. Um, I don't think he is a no doubt, you know, blue chip pass rusher. But that's why he's being mocked in the middle of the first round. I think there are four edge rushers in this class that are worthy of first round grades. I don't know if any of them are no doubt, you know, blue chippers. Uh, but uh, Dallas Turner from Alabama is probably going to be my number one. Uh, really, I mean, God, he, the character, you can just watch him playing like that guy loves ball. Uh, cause he is hunting guys down across the field constantly. And you can see the athlete and the big hits. He's fun. Jared Verse um, makes your team better. Verse, Latu, Latu and, uh, Chop Robinson as well. I will be curious, um, what the Broncos plan is at edge because they've gone a little bit more hybrid with their current personnel. And that makes them really versatile in what they can do in their pass rush on third and long when they get to third and long. Uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's definitely a group that you could fortify. I think the bigger thing about edge Scott, it's not about the guys you have on the roster in the immediacy, because I think you could go into next season with a low tier middling vet to solidify the room, Cooper Browning and Benito that I'd be okay with that. It's not, you know, incredible, but it'd be okay there. There's other issues I'd rather attack, but the, the edge rusher spot is so important and developmental that if you're taking an edge in the first round in 2024, you are setting yourself up so that way you're not in a position of weakness entering the following offseason because you have Cooper and Browning will be playing on the last year of their contract next year. So you draft an edge rusher a year before you're in a position where you absolutely need one. Uh, so that would be, the I think, the biggest argument for an edge early. But uh, I think everything's on the table as long as there is a prospect that is worthy of the pick range uh, for the Broncos right now. Sorry, folks, uh, probably no stack linebackers or tight ends for the Broncos in this draft, considering they're probably picking in the middle of the first round. Uh, KB82499 says, hypothetical, four years from now, who will be more valuable, Marvin Harrison Jr. or Travis Hunter? I think it'll be Marvin Harrison Jr. because I think a truly elite, dominant, number one wide receiver is more valuable than a truly elite number one cornerback. Scott, I know we're going to disagree on this one. The cornerback is harder to... to uh, the quarter, the cornerback is harder to find a good one, but a game changing wide receiver, I think has more impact. I mean, if you take uh Jamar chase, AJ Brown, uh, Tyree kill off their teams and you substitute them with, you know, Patrick Sertan, I think those teams are worse overall. I really do think they are worse teams because the wide receiver just has more impact overall on the game. If they're easier to find, it's not a scarcity discussion here. It is a overall value and impact. Uh, so I think probably I would take Marvin Harrison Jr. We are talking unknowns here. 
because they are draft prospects, but uh, I would take uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. here. And I just think that Marvin Harrison Jr. is more of a sure thing, a wide receiver, as being a true number one than Travis Hunter is as being one of the top five corners. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would go on this. And then we can discuss game-changing ability or whatnot. And you won't get too big of an argument for me. I'm so You ask me, who are, the, who are the best football players of all time? The two guys that immediately come to mind for me are Jerry Rice is mm -hmm. one of them, and then LT, you know, Lawrence Taylor. For me, those are guys that are just cemented in my brain as um, real quick answers. Um, so, no, it's not too big of an argument. Like you said, I think the scarcity is harder to find the mm – -hmm. A shutdown corner. I mean, we can name those guys. I'm going to talk about generational. We we only we can go back. Who are legit shutdown corners in the NFL? And we may name four guys over the last 15 years. Yep. We can talk about number one wide receivers, and we'll hit 30 guys over the last 15 years. But I just think Harrison Jr. is a better prospect. Yeah, I think like if you think about the top three wide receivers in a given year versus the top three cornerbacks. I think those top three wide receivers are more likely to be on a top offense than the top three cornerbacks being on a top defense, which to me also wide receivers, a dependent position. You have to have the quarterback to do that. I'll never forget Randy Moss with the Raiders versus what he was after he traded to the Patriots. But uh, I do think that I'd probably would take the wide receiver one. And I think Marvin Harrison Jr. at this point is a better prospect. Uh, we'll see about Travis Hunter, extremely talented. I think he probably needs to pick one position. At this point, I don't know what will happen with Colorado. Uh, you know, stick to a craft and you can do some gadget stuff here or there, but I don't think you, it's feasible for him to play, you know, 80 snaps a game <laughs> and stay healthy and be developed in his craft. Uh, but extremely talented player in his own right and will be fun to talk about him a year from now. So let's start talking playoffs and how we get the Denver Broncos a worse first round draft pick since we've been talking draft. Let's, let's get the Denver Broncos into the 20s on the path to the playoffs. Okay, so yeah, the playoff picture? Is that what you're going here? Is that the transition? Scott, that's okay. the title, and we're 40 minutes yes. in. We're figuring yeah, yeah, out a little hit on it. Yes, of course. I didn't know if you are asking, well, who are the draft possibilities that the Broncos make the playoffs? Um, so yes, the Broncos right now, they are definitely in a, a tough situation uh, when it comes to the NFL draft. After losing to the Houston Texans, it is unfortunate because if they had one, they would be... I don't want to say guaranteed in, but you'd, I think your playoff probability would be about 73% considering your fortunes this last weekend where the Browns lost, the Steelers lost, the Steelers lost their quarterback as well. Here comes Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, and I think there was a, the Chiefs lost. You'd only be one game back in the AFC West, Scott. I mean, my God, talk about a... Uh, Talk about a chance. Um, you'd have you'd have a chance. Colts barely won that one uh, as well. So yeah, the Broncos would be extremely fight Jags lost. Also, you'd have a chance to even talk about, you know, moving up there if the Jags uh, get jumped by the Texans. But um, yeah, the Broncos are in a rough situation right now just because they have to play nearly flawless down the stretch. So uh, again, shout out to Zach Seegers uh, who did the, he's been messing around with the, uh, the playoff simulator here with the probabilities on it. And uh, he, on his, according to his, the New York times playoff model and simulating the games, the Broncos getting 10 wins should be enough to make the playoffs. If you only win three of your next two, getting you to nine, it's over. Uh, but 10 wins for the next one, you pretty much get in almost every time. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, Thank ahead, Arizona Scott. Cardinals for that. Yes. Thank you, Arizona Cardinals. Thank you to the uh, Los Angeles Rams as well. Broncos owning the head-to-head -head versus Cleveland. Rams are playing uh, well, man. Yep. Uh, just to put a bow on the conversation from Kenny coming back in with a super stat, he says, I'll take Travis Hunter because he's a dual threat. 
He won't play offense as much in college, but he will definitely play offense scoring uh, four TDs a year. He's talking about probably in the pros. See, and that's where that's where I disagree, Kenny, is uh, he, he's not going to be a dual threat in four years. And that was how you started the question. Four years from now, who will be the more valuable player? Four years from now, Travis Hunter will not be playing both sides of the ball. So, um, Except Gadget. I think it'll probably be like, there'll probably be tiny maybe, usage. And, and I'd say maybe special teams, but guys just don't play two ways. They, mm-hmm. and not, they, they just don't. Um, who's the last guy that did? I mean, it, it's yeah. rare in college and mm-hmm. it's, I can't even think of guys. I'm sure there are. So put them in the, in the, in there to, to, to list the exception that proves the rule. But he, in four years, he's not going to be a contributor on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I just don't think it's smart for his player health at yeah. that point. Um, it's too much. Yeah, it's all the hits and stuff. I think you probably stick him at cornerback, and uh, he's going to be fantastic there. Uh, Colorado needs him on both sides. Uh, if only, if only he could play offensive and defensive line for them. Uh, but uh, that's a uh, we'll see with Travis Hunter. Right? They just it's more of a known quantity or quality right now with uh, Marvin Harrison. Uh, but Travis Hunter is great. And I'm excited to talk about him next year. Back to the uh, the record here. The Broncos they finish four and one down the stretch and. Uh, lose only to the lions, which I think is probably the only game down the stretch here. Well, you'll be dogs, Scott, maybe mm-hmm. there'll be dogs at on the road versus the chargers or Raiders. But I think that's probably a pick. Game. Some of the other games go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that's probably, those are probably going to be pick them games within like, you know, two points. If the Broncos aren't um, favored in that one or one and a half. Uh, so the Broncos, if they, like I said, if they go forward one, and lose to the Lions, they have a 75% chance of making the playoffs, which stinks because, you know, you still don't have control, but we'll see how it plays out down the stretch. Browns, Steelers, not looking so hot. Colts have some games where they could lose as well, even though it's pretty easy. Broncos going 4-1, and one, though, and losing against the uh, any of the other AFC teams that they play drops them to 66% chance. So that AFC versus NFC matters, and the AFC conference record does come into play if you lose another AFC game, it's, it's, it's detrimental uh, in that. doesn't matter if it's the Patriots Raiders or chargers losing any of those games uh, drops the Broncos playoff probability to uh, 66, assuming they go 41%. Uh, otherwise, if the Broncos go five and zero down the stretch, Scott, they have a 99.9% chance of making mm-hmm. the playoff. So there is still a uh, chance out there where if they go five and zero, they don't make it. But I think that results in every single team above them going five and zero. So that's, statistically we talk about the turnover run being improbable well this is even more uh improbable so that's uh that won't happen the broncos also still do have a chance if they finish three and two um there's a five percent at uh probability if they go three and two with one of those losses having to come against the lions if it's two afc losses it's over but if you lose one against afc and one against detroit you have a five percent chance still so there is a chance but really you got to go four and one and really you probably got to go uh, four and one with that loss coming against the Lions. Five and zero, oh, I'll take my chances, Nick. Well, let's just put in the five and zero oh and and, and yeah. see what happens on that one. There are some significant games this week. I mean, you know, you can look at Patriots at Steelers. Okay, yeah, that one matters. Anytime one of these teams is playing, it's important, obviously, especially if they lose it, right? Arizona and Pittsburgh. But there's a few significant games to watch this weekend. Colts at Bengals. The Bengals are in this thing all of a sudden. The Colts are sitting there at seven and five. With uh, the seven spot, those two, that's a that's a playoff-ish game right there. All of a sudden, the Jaguars at Browns becomes real interesting. Now, you probably want the Jaguars to win that game and go ahead and knock the Browns out, but if the 
Browns were to win that game and move to eight and five, all of a sudden the Jaguars are eight and five. I think you probably want Jacksonville to win that game and knock knock uh, the Cleveland Browns down to seven and six. And then finally, Bills and Chiefs all of a sudden are getting really interesting as well. Um, you want to, I don't think you can root for the Chiefs, but you know, uh, that one become the outcome of that game. Because it's not just the teams ahead of you. you got to watch the teams that are behind you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Bills. you're looking at the Buffalo Bills at 6-6, six and six, the Cincinnati Bengals at 6-6, six and six, they're right there also. So those are some games you've that are going to be scoreboard watchers this weekend for sure. And really probably just got to keep taking care of your own business at the end of the you day. And we'll see how it plays out, right? Uh, you gave yourself almost no margin for error. Uh, you have you had a gift this week with the Browns and the Steelers losing. It's really too bad the Titans couldn't pull that one out, Scott. Otherwise, you'd have a <laughs> you'd probably almost be no difference other than you drop to the Texans, and then you'd be big Texans fans uh, down the stretch. But uh, that's week a fifteen. You got Steelers and Colts. Yep, that you know? should play itself out. You got Texans playing Colts as well. Atlanta's going to play the Colts. Hopefully, they'll uh, let's go Falcons. Um, <laughs> Dirty Birds. Hopefully, they win that one. But uh, you got a chance uh, for sure. And the, the odds are still there. I do want to say though, Scott, I think it's, what would you say the over under is down the stretch here for the Broncos? If you had to pick the, the record for these final five games, because we've said it off air before, and I guess I'll just put my name on it. I think they probably go three and two. And I think it's a very good season and you come up just short. I think three and two sounds about right. The thing is I'll probably pick. If you were to say pick a winner in each one of these games, I'd probably go four and one. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the the only one I feel like they'll be, uh, like you said, dogs in is Detroit. But just like we said with Houston, you you just can't keep winning the close games. Like, okay, I got a fifty five percent chance of winning. That means I'm going to be favored. I think you'll win each one of these games. But then the probability of winning each of those games is 0.55 times point five five times point five five, and it ends up being about eight percent. So. Um, I think three and two probably sounds about right, which is going to be unfortunate. And we're going to kick ourselves about how the absolute heck did you lose to the Raiders at home when they were, you know, Josh McDaniel Josh McDaniel Raiders. Now that they, now Feisty. they're yeah. going to be more of a problem. Yep. Uh, you also lost a game that you definitely should have won versus the commanders. You had to talk about the game flow and understand where you are. They, you had a good lead in that one. Um, I remember checking in on that game after I just got back from climbing half dome, like, Oh man, the Broncos are up, you know, it was 17 to three or something. It was, it was great. And, uh, fell apart, unfortunately in that one. And of course, losing at home to Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, how? I mean, that's, when I, was done. that's, yeah. that's when I was, that's when I was scorched earth after that game, y'all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's when I was like, burn it all down. Find the trade deadlines coming up, get what you can burn it all down. I was. I was, I was, I was in a dark place, Nick. 21 to three um, for that Washington commanders game. How do you lose that? You don't I guess lose that game again. Um, no, right now you Washington would not commanders offense is good, yeah. but the Denver Broncos defense would shut them down now, or at least limit them to about half of what you gave up and you'd be able to score points. You don't, you don't lose that game. Now you lost it in week two. It's almost too bad. I mean, I know the Broncos went on an improbable win streak, but some of those lesser opponents, the fact that you got them early when it was a new coaching staff and you're trying to figure it out. But we knew that, man. We knew that looking at the schedule. You've got to win these games here or it's going to be really hard down the stretch. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So it was uh, pretty, pretty hard. 
uh, to do that. Um, but you still have a chance uh, without a doubt. And one thing I did want to touch on, Scott, I mentioned it before the show, uh, but first let's get it to our guy, Rattlesnake Master coming in saying, I know it's early, but would love to see a mock draft soon. Much love from Nebraska. Maybe we will, uh, maybe we'll toss one out here before the end of the show, or maybe we'll do something Thursday. We do because... one on Fridays too. So Rattlesnake Master, make sure um, follow youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. Make sure you're subscribed to that channel because Nick and I do a Friday NFL show on Friday mornings. We talked draft all last week. We'll probably we'll go through someone else's mock draft again this week, do some more playoff scenarios for the rest of the NFL. But make sure you're subscribed, youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy, because that's where we start doing all-encompassing NFL. That way Ernie doesn't get mad at us. I mean, heck, maybe we will do our own mock. Scott, we haven't done a single simulator this year. Maybe we can do a top 10 or something. Um, but uh, yeah, for right now, the Broncos, I think you go almost – any direction um, with the draft, assuming there is a player that is uh, worthy of the selection. I'm sorry, folks. I do not know if there is a, uh, a no doubt um, linebacker or tight end. And I think right now on paper, the Broncos biggest like immediate need is probably the tight end. I see Taylor made talking about um, tight end being a huge need for the Broncos. It is. Uh, it sounds like Ertz is probably heading back to Philly. Um, from what I've heard over the last 24 hours, doesn't seem like Denver is in the cards. It sounds like more likely they are depending on Dulcich. So we'll see how, not depending, but uh, if they're getting anything from the tight end of the receiving game, it's Dulcich coming back healthy, which has not happened really. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think Broncos, you're talking Denver right now. You're looking picks 16 through 22. Uh, you're probably looking at uh, cornerback, edge rusher, wide receiver. I think that would be, probably be the most likely trio of spots. Um, I can't think of quarterback also. There you go. <laughs> quarterback is so hard. It's almost like the quarterback conversation has to be in its own box because it's such a different process overall. Yeah. And we also and still we don't know who's going to be there. That is the big one, right? J.J. Mm -hmm. uh, McCarthy coming out. That's He'd probably be close to that range. I think you're mm -hmm. out of range for sure <laughs> of Caleb Williams and Drake May. Jaden Daniels, it sounds like he's the recent pickup from the NFL is that Jaden Daniels is going top 10. I mean, he might even go top four, you know, top five. Uh, he's, he's moving up there a lot. And it sounds like people really love the mental makeup of that kid too. He's so skinny, uh, but uh, he's, uh, he's moving up. So let's say Jaden Daniels is out as well. Okay. Well then who Scott Quinn Ewers said he's going back. Uh, we'll see if that does play out. If depending on how uh, Texas does Bo Nix, no, thanks. He's probably a round three quarterback for me. I know PFF had him in the top 10 in a couple of mocks, but uh, I disagree. Uh, Michael Penix is going to be 25 years old, has a weird throwing motion and has had multiple injuries. I think he's probably another day two guy. Carson Beck from Georgia is probably returning. I just uh, don't really know what happens with the quarterbacks uh, in this draft after the top three. I think the top three I feel really good and solidified about. We'll see what happens with Beck McCarthy. Panix, Knicks, Pratt. I think Pratt also deserves a shout out from Tulane. I really like him. Uh, but again, more of a day two guy. So quarterbacks up there. So I'd probably put edge, uh, given the players that are available, edge wide receiver, cornerback. I would love a defensive tackle. I don't see one in this class outside of Newton. Uh, and I don't love Newton top 10, but where Broncos are going to be picking, I think he's actually, that's the range he should go. Uh, so those are the spots I'm looking at right now. There's again, we'll, we'll get down to best player available and we'll start talking about that. And it becomes in tiers. You want to try and have best player available, meet a need. And the lower you are in the draft, 
the easier that is to do because there's just not that much of a difference between the 15th and the 35th guy a lot of times. Uh, Michael comes as Nick and Scott, would you want a winning season or NFL playoffs for the Broncos? Uh, it's an interesting question. Hand in hand. Um, you know, what was the worst team that made it? Was it a seven and t- it wasn't a seven and 10 team? Was it a seven and nine made the playoffs? Um, and then I think one wasn't the Seahawks that did that. Yep. The uh, um, Beastquake. Going back to, you know, the discussion. Yes, you could go 11 and six and there's a slight chance you would miss the playoffs. I would rather go five and zero, oh, finish the season 11 and six and miss the playoffs. Then I would go nine and eight and eke in as a seven. I mm-hmm. probably would because I know my team was legit. I know my team was legit and heading in the right direction as opposed and, and know that I just got hamstrung by a bad start, but I won 11 of my last 12 games. I'm as good as anybody in the NFL. Unfortunately, because I stubbed my toe, I didn't get a chance to show it. But by God, wait till freaking next year. Mm-hmm. And I can start talking some guys into doing some restructures so I can go get some more help in free agency. Um, as opposed to eight and nine, because you said, would you rather have a winning record? You go two and three down the stretch and finish eight and nine. Your team still isn't very good. It's still not where you want it to be. Man, I'd rather have my team be where it is. That's where I would go. Now, nine and eight and eight and nine, there's not much of a difference. I'll take the playoffs. But 11 and six and miss out, give me that all day. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. It is a, uh, would be a lot of fun and uh, would be a lot of uh, upset for me. I'd be pretty upset to have that post, that slow start, keep you out from the playoffs when there are seven seeds and you go 11 and six. And if 11 and six seed doesn't, or 11 and six team doesn't make the playoffs, Scott, I think we need to, uh, kick it back to our conversation yesterday about the NFC versus the AFC because yeah, yeah, we would, we definitely (laughs) would unbelievable, but but don't they need some playoff experience to, to learn you're in the playoffs right now, dude, Jeremy, I I believe that that was a playoff atmosphere. That was a playoff type game. I, that's where I would go on that one. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think the way you've put yourself now, each game matters. Yep. And it would feel like playoff experience. And again, if you if you're a team that's able to win 11 of 12, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. I'll take that yeah. without a doubt, without a doubt. And uh, yeah, you're in a playoffs now. That's a great call, Scott. One final thing I want to touch on here. It's not all doom and gloom from this Houston game, of course. Uh, and the whole team, there's plenty of you know crap on everyone's hands uh, following how bad they were in the first half. But I did want to give a shout out to something that I've been very tough on. And I gave him a shout out yesterday and wanted to do it again today. Uh, but the defensive line specifically, I think had their single best game of the season in run defense uh, in this game, specifically in the second half, Scott, uh, the Broncos were consistently getting third and longs because they were doing so well on first and second down. Uh, according to PFF grades, best single run defense game of the season from Mike Purcell, mm-hmm. best single run defense game of the season from Jonathan Harris second best run defense game of the season from Zach Allen while still notching four pressures. Uh, Zach Allen's been unbelievable. Zach Allen's becoming the guy that you paid for. I mean, he might even be more than the guy that you paid for considering what he's been doing here recently. Uh, but those guys played great. Um, also did want to give a shout out to Browning and Cooper. I think they each knocked uh, notched top three run defense grades from the season in this game. Now, 
Yes, Houston is not a very good run team, uh, but I think it still matters because you Broncos have the Broncos have gone up against a lot of not good run teams and they've made them look amazing <laughs> this season. Uh, thinking about the Vikings, they came in as one of the worst four rushing offenses in the the league and they just dice the Broncos up on the ground. Broncos did an awesome job in this game stalling the Brown, uh, the Texans on first and second down in the run game and getting to third and long. And Scott, I just wanted to show this clip here because I've said it on here. You got to eat your veggies to get to dessert. And that is so true. How many any pudding? If you don't eat your meat, <sighs> got to love some pink Floyd. Uh, that's a good time. Um, but uh, here's a look from the Broncos. This is a third and 13 play here. Scott and the Broncos are obviously lined up in a rather exotic look because you got on third and 13. Who do we see here for those listening at home? Uh, you got Zach Allen listed on the far left, uh, Nick Benito. Then uh, you have double mug linebackers over the a gaps. That's the mug guys there, 49 and 41. So Singleton and Sanders. Then you got Browning over the left tackle Cooper way out wide. And then uh, PJ lock uh, lined up just oh, isn't third and long fun. Third and you long is do, still fun. you can do this kind of stuff when you get third and long. It's yes, fun. It is. And Scott, which players on the screen do you think drop? I would probably drop. I feel like I remember this play and I feel like Benito dropped. Um, I would probably here. I would drop uh, Singleton and Browning. Scott, this is a four man pressure coming and every single player list shown here closest to the ball drops into coverage. 42, 49, 41 and 56 all drop into space and you have shown on the screen, PJ lock Cooper, Zach Allen, and not shown on the screen here, Jaquan McMillan coming up from the slot on the far left side of the screen, coming up with the strip sack. This is the strip sack play he chases him down and he's rolling left on this one. Yep. And you have three Texans, uh, offensive linemen blocking Cooper on this play. You have a help on, uh, one guy on lock. You have a, uh, two guys on Allen and then, the tight end here on the far left side of the screen has absolutely no idea what's going on. And McQuill, Mc, by the time he knows where the pressure is coming from, McMillan's passed him. So the Broncos, I wanted to give credit on this one. They've been pretty poor this season, Scott, on getting pressure with four guys. I think they are 27th in EPA per play sending four. So that's something we need to talk about and look at this off season. Cause which is why Jared Burst makes this team better. Yes. Uh, another pass. He's first. really got three edges right now. And that would give you a legit four. Yes. I agree with you there. Maybe somebody on the interior too, who can do a little bit more with Allen from the one technique spot. That's another discussion. Um, but Broncos need to be better with rushing four. but if you can be good enough on run defense on first and second down and get to third and seven plus, you can get these looks like this. And I've been so impressed. The Broncos, we haven't had a chance to really see this even during the stretch. Cause the Broncos have been so bad against the run that you're, you're constantly third and two, third and three you're not able to drop your four guys closest to the ball on third and two. Cause if it's a draw, oh, good luck, buddy. Um, this that is a seven B seven lineup. Yes, this is beautiful. You are only getting here on third and longs. The Broncos have done it the last two weeks. Scott on the run defense has finally gotten there. We've started to see a little bit more exotics. Uh, and I think that deserves a shout out. I'll say it again on here. You cannot eat your dessert unless you eat your veggies. <laughs> Broncos doing enough on first and second down. Uh, coming into this game, their run defense, when you excluded turnovers, when the Broncos have been good on defense, quote unquote, since week six, they were the fourth worst EPA per rush defense in the NFL and the second worst success rate rush defense in the NFL, excluding turnovers. Uh, so that is a big difference here. They were better this week. I think they were ninth and 10th. So only, you know, solid to average considering there's bye weeks. 
but it made such a difference in what the Broncos were able to do in the pass rush department. So some food for thought. I just thought it was worth shouting out the run defense in this game and showing that we can have some fun with the exotics and pressures, but again, you got to do the work on first and second down to get there. And those are, I think a key area uh, for the Broncos to target this off season uh, because plays like this looks like this, the PJ lock one last week, we had a PJ lock one. And this one also a simulated pressure creeper, whatever you want to call it, zone blitz, uh, fake blitz. Cause this is rushing four when you're showing rushing seven, right? That's that so much fun. So got to do good enough on first and second down. Just thought this play itself was worth highlighting without actually showing the play. So YouTube doesn't come for us. Yeah. Um, Gar says, anyone know the time position difference in last Sunday's game? It was 33 to 27. So you can call that a six minute edge. You could call it a three minute edge. Cause if you switch three, then they're even it, you know, plus one ends up being double. So it was, uh, it was 33 to 27 overall. Yeah. It, Broncos, you know, the first half was really bad. And we talked about it, Scott. We, the missed from Cortland Sutton, the drop, the non-call PI. I also think you gave up two changes. Those changed the game. Yep. I do think it's how you could run your offense and your in-game plan. And it changed how you would have been defense. You know, we talk about you, you weren't able to run, 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 play action, take shots. You can, if you get points on those two drives, which you didn't do. Yeah. Those were, those were, those were big, big turning points in this game, in my opinion. I did also want to shout out. It was unfortunate, Scott. What was the one thing I said coming into this Houston game that you cannot do if you're going to win this game? Give up big plays. Explosive pass plays. You gave up two 50-yarders in that first half. 50-yard pass. I mean, a 20-plus yarder is considered more. Explosive. There were two. There were two big missed opportunities from yes. for on their end as well. Yes, but I mean, an explosive pass by statistical definition is 20-plus yards. You're talking 50. I mean, that is that's rare error. And to give up two and one half completely flipped the field position, made it really hard. I think the Texans end up scoring on both of those. Uh, you could not lose the explosive passes. So those are two that were missed opportunities well in the first half. And then the Alex Singleton one where I think you just got to know the situation better. They're going to kick a field goal. You won. You won as a defense there, uh, stalling them out and not giving up a touchdown because no, they dude, had the false start. Yeah, they would have kicked a field goal because it was would have made it fourth and seven. They would have brought their yep. kicking team out. Unless they're crazy. I think <laughs> that would have been unbelievable. They went for it there. Uh, but uh, you got to know the situation there. I get it. it's competitive stuff, um, but that's a, some missed opportunities there in the first half. You still had a chance. Uh, we got Michael coming in here to wrap up the show, unless anything comes uh, last second here. We uh, Michael says, great show today. Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos. Go Michael. Thank you so much for the double super chat today. Uh, we really appreciate everybody coming in. A fun topic, of course. Broncos still very much got a chance, but they need to keep it going here, and hopefully they'll get a lot uh get the turnover luck back in their side. It's not just pure luck, obviously, because you got to make it, uh, but the rate at which it was happening and especially fumbles, Scott, I think there is a little bit more luck in that. I think there's been studies shown that interceptions are less volatile and luck oriented than fumbles. Uh, pressure leads to interceptions and you're having trouble getting pressure. You increase the pressure, you increase, you increase all of it. it the, yep. Getting pressure on the quarterback goes hand in hand with creating turnovers. Yeah. I, Coverage plays into pass rush and pass rush plays into coverage. It's a positive feedback loop there, Scott, for a little science term for you. Uh, but uh, Scott, good show today. Any final thoughts before we get on here? Any? Uh, we didn't have any pizza pizzas this week, um, unfortunately, from the Broncos. As soon as we get the Caesars read again, we can't lean into it. Uh, but uh, final thoughts on the Broncos playoff chances, draft, uh, this Texans game, putting a bow on it. Uh, what's going on? No, we're uh, we're the second week of December and you're you still have your destiny in your own hands. That's a good thing. 
Um, There are teams, there's, it's going to be a slugfest because every time you think, okay, yay, the, you know, the Steelers and Browns lost. Well, hell, the Cincinnati Bengals just upset the Jaguars. So there's going to be a a lot of scoreboard watching going on. We highlighted a few of the games to keep an eye on this weekend. That's going to be fun. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be fun. It's a hell of a lot better. Yeah. I love talking draft. It's kind of what I do, but this is more fun for this show right now to talk playoff possibilities and all those type things. And you're, you're in it. You're, you're absolutely in it. This was a setback. It was not a nail in the coffin. Yep. Was not, but uh, we'll see a lot of range and outcomes still available with five games to go. Um, we'll see what happens with uh, Russia, Russell Wilson down the stretch and we'll see what happens to the Broncos playoffs or draft. Who knows? They sit there at 14, the 14th pick. Uh, you'd have a chance at a, not a blue chipper there, but a, you know, a talented player. Maybe they trade back. Who knows? We have a lot of time to talk about it. Thanks everybody coming in. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at scout Kennedy. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at mile high huddle and BFB underscore pod. If you haven't done so yet, join on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And as the ticker says here underneath, please subscribe, like, and share over on YouTube. Uh, does us a heck of a lot of good. If you do that, you don't have to be a super chat, superstar, anything like that. Although of course we prefer that if you would, uh, thank you to those who did. And, uh, but if you can't do that, Again, subscribe to Mile High Huddle, share it to your stuff, like us, help that algorithm, comment on here after the fact, comment on where uh, wherever, go to iTunes, leave us a review. Always appreciate that. Want to shout out to our superstar folks in here today, Michael Ronquillo, a two-timer. Thank you so Three much. Three times. You had the hat Three. trick today, Michael. Thank you, for, uh, my friend. Man, next time we're going for the golden sombrero. Uh, Michael, <laughs> thank you so much. Miguel Santa Steven, of course. Troy Boer in the house. Kenneth Booker, Gary Palmer, Mr. Rocket, KB82. Some fun Colorado talk here. Uh, from KB with Travis Hunter, good player. Rattlesnake Master, of course. Uh, you guys killed it today. Kenny Appreciate everyone as well. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys, so much. Uh, we appreciate it. Scott and I will be back tomorrow morning on to cover the Falcons on his channel, and obviously, probably always devolve into some draft stuff. Um, always because uh, it's fun. And uh, I'll be back again tonight because I don't have a baby class. Uh, so it'll be Carl and I on uh, building the Broncos. So uh, a lot of fun. I actually do have a baby class, Scott, but it's 630. Uh, so it's after um, building the Broncos. So should be a lot of fun. Um, make sure you guys always choose kindness and compassion. Michael Ronke, is this the hat trick? Is this the golden sombrero? That's the golden or you just... sombrero you were calling Woo! for. That's the four shot. Amazing. God, Michael, thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Have a great yesterday. Continue to choose kindness and compassion. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.